Good afternoon, Jack McCarty. Good afternoon, Dennis Foley. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's Friday. It is. And I'm not sure what that means anymore, but uh, back in my day, that meant the end of the work week. Yeah. So... Do you were I want to I want to kind of get a handle on the age difference between you and me. Oh. Do you um <laughs> So, how old were you when you first had a cell phone? I was in middle school. Um but that was more I sometimes you've mentioned that, you know, sometimes kids, you know, tell their parents, "Oh, you should get me a cell phone in case of an emergency." Uh, yeah. This was it was the opposite case for me where my mom gave me a cell phone she was a single mom, um, so uh, I was the oldest, so I had to be responsible for everyone. Yeah, else. well, and, and she pr- and maybe she saw the glimmers of the future, you know, journalist that you would be. No, and... Well, luckily, my parents had cell phones long before I ever got mine. So. Yeah. Did you ever have a phone like a, a like a a landline phone? Do you remember? Like yes, um, okay. corded phones. Yeah, I forget when because we. I'm not sure if we had one when we moved because uh, I was like 12 or so. But I feel like a time traveler. Yeah, I know. I, like I mean, I, I actually remember the yeah. landline number that we had growing yeah. up. So I'm that old. Because I was thinking last night, I yeah. wonder how much of our current dilemma is because we really don't have to remember, like, like just having to remember phone numbers. Yeah. Probably, you know, that was probably a good brain exercise. We didn't have Wordle. But we, we, you know, we had, we had to carry around in our head all the phone numbers of everybody we knew, and we had to know our own phone number. I don't think today people probably know their husbands or wives' phone number. You yeah. know, I mean, you, what you wouldn't have to. Yeah, I mean, I I know my parents' phone numbers by their numbers, yeah. and one of my brothers, the other brother, I don't, I can't remember his number. He keeps changing his, yeah. which makes me a always suspicious. But there's know. always one brother yeah. like that. All right. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to our time traveler show, Jack Riccardi on five fifty and one oh seven one KTSa. I'm gonna I'm gonna as, as Jen Psaki would say, I'm going to circle back to why I brought that up with Dennis in the first place. That was not a random exchange like you probably thought it was listening to it. Remember the story we had this week about the uh, young lady who was on The Bachelor? I forget her name now. But she was on The Bachelor, and it made her famous, like reality shows do. And she has a podcast. And she said on her podcast the other day, boy, man, I'm really embarrassed to have been educated in Texas. That's not exactly what she said, but I'm paraphrasing. She was uh, telling a story about how she was really caught short the other day when at the age of 27 she didn't know the meaning of the word antebellum. And she had, therefore, from that lapse or that moment of not knowing what the word meant, she had extrapolated it to, well, that's because I got a crappy public school education in Texas. Which leads me to this. This just came out today. It's a study that's been published by a team of researchers from a variety of uh, places, including Harvard and an outfit called the National Center for Analysis of Longitudinal Data, which sounds like a crazy bunch of people, right? Yeah. Anyway, they did a, a, a study entitled The Consequences of Remote Instruction During the Pandemic. And here's what they found, according to Harvard professor and economist Thomas Kane. Quote, Where schools remained in person, gaps did not widen. Where schools shifted to remote learning, gaps widened sharply. Shifting to remote instruction was like turning a switch on a piece of critical infrastructure of our social infrastructure that we had taken for granted. 
This reminded me of when I was a kid, there was a public service campaign. I forget who did it, but th these ads would run all the time, and the slogan was, don't be a fool, stay in school. Don't be a fool, stay in school. And I was thinking, that we, we just proved that during the pandemic. In states like Florida and Texas, where they stayed in school, uh, students excelled. In lockdown states, i.e. mostly blue states, uh, students lost academic ground. Those who had the most to lose lost the most, thanks to the guesses taken by public health and leftist politicians toadying to teachers' unions. So there's another example of it. One of the big stories this week uh, that you're probably getting sick and tired of hearing about, unless you're dealing with it, in which case I'm sure you're not sick and tired of hearing about it, is this deal with baby formula. I do have people who say to me, oh, please, don't bring that up again. But obviously, if you're, if you're struggling to get it, uh, you're interested in what's happening with it. So let me just tell you what I've been able to find out and what, uh, from reading, and there's a great piece today in the Wall Street Journal. Um, it turns out that this is not just a supply cha chain problem. I mean, that would be bad enough. But in this current shortage... The supply chain was broken by the government, not by the people that make this stuff. So there, there was a problem at a factory in Michigan. They had a, uh, some sort of outbreak, a bacteria outbreak. They announced it and they said it didn't get into the formula, but the, the government as a precaution, um, sent out an alert, said, stop using the stuff. And the company did a voluntary recall, so-called voluntary recall, but was it really voluntary because the government had just told everybody, hey, this stuff's poison. And so they put the recall in place, but they made no provision to replace what was now not going to be available. This company, this uh, factory makes 40% of the most popular brands of baby formula. And thanks to the tariffs put in place under Trump and Biden, it's now virtually impossible to import baby formula. So in another, you know, day and time, we might have made up the slack with the global economy because this is an American shortage. This is not a shortage all over the world. Canada is not out of it. Okay. But we can't do it. So we have this shortage that has the blessing of the FDA. And when anything like this happens, right, whenever there's a, a, an empty shelf, whenever there's a power shortage, whenever gas prices go up, Team Biden blames business. They point the finger at the private sector, and they want investigations. The president wants FTC investigations of, of the baby formula industry. But it's important for you to know that we chose this path. Government chose this path with no regard for how to replace the product they took out of the, 
the supply chain. And, and I'm, I'm not in the market for baby formula these days, but I, I would be interested to know if, if you're a, a parent and you're struggling to find this stuff, if, if I said, look, we could get it from Germany, but it, you know, it's maybe labeled differently or it's a brand you don't recognize, but would you be willing to get it from another country? I think a lot of people probably would at this point. And then there's a story today of, um, and there's pictures with it, of pallets and pallets of baby formula down on the border. So while people here in the United States are not getting it, they're getting pallets of it at the uh, illegal immigrant holding facilities um, along the border. And there was pictures of a processing facility in McAllen, for example, where they had it floor to ceiling, much of it as they could hold. Now, I don't think any of us want to deny any child their nutrition. I'm not suggesting that we should pick and choose who starves. But for crying out loud, if the government got its hands on that much of it, and they're holding it for people coming into the country illegally, how is that supposed to look to people in this country who can't get it? And and is that not emblematic or symptomatic of the whole picture right now? It takes a day to get $40 billion to Ukraine. Plenty of baby formula at the illegal immigrant holding facility. I mean, I'm sorry. Again, we're, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all human beings. I'm not, I'm not wanting, desiring anybody to go without, but for crying out loud, when are we going to stop choosing leaders who put us last? When are we going to stop choosing leaders who think it is a virtue to lecture and finger wag at Americans while supplying everybody else? And it was one thing after World War II when we were the only nation left standing that we propped everybody up and we got everybody on their feet and we poured, poured wealth into shattered husks of nations, including the ones that had been our enemies. That's one thing. But that's not the world of 2022. And people are getting tired of it. And I said yesterday, sooner or later, a politician will figure out how to address that. We better hope it's a good person because it could be a terrible person. It could be a demagogue. It could be the Antichrist. But Sooner or later, somebody's going to say, hey, you know what? I'll put you first. You'll never be without again. And we'll, we'll vote for that person no matter what their other qualities are, <laughs> no matter what they tweeted. Jen Psaki, in her last briefing today as White House Press Secretary, oh, do you need a minute? No? Okay, I don't either. Let's keep going. Uh, in her last briefing today, uh, mentioned that uh, you're to blame. Well, she didn't exactly say it that way, but she said that while they're looking into it and they're on top of it and Joe Biden is focused on it like a laser beam, you know how he gets when he's focused like a laser beam. But she also said um, hoarding is a big issue. Hoarding is a big problem. I love when government blames people for preparing. Government which doesn't prepare is really, is really put out when people prepare. Look, hoarding, the word is a, is a, is a negative. I mean, hoarding is probably a pretty strong word. If you're actually hoarding stuff, that's probably, they need to get some help with that. But, but people stocking up on stuff that they see is in short supply or they think is going to be is not an irrational decision. And again, when they see an American government 
making sure everyone else has something except Americans, I don't think there's anything irrational about going, well, then I'm going to lay in some extra supplies. And that's what people do. They can keep complaining about it, but uh, people are going to keep doing that. These problems are probably here to stay, say people in the business world. There was just a, uh, a meeting the other day uh, in the auto industry. They had one of those TED Talk type things. And the guy that runs Stellantis, and Stellantis is the new name for the company that owns Chrysler and a bunch of European brands. Uh, but anyway, the guy that heads up Stellantis uh, was saying, um, we, are, we see no end in sight for the chip shortage for battery shortages, for shortages of raw materials. This is the fourth largest automaker in the world. And uh, he's saying it would be bad enough if we were just going to stay on the course we're on, but if we're converting to electric cars, there's no end in sight uh, for these shortages. So bottom line, what has happened here? What, what What is happening in our country? Have we forgotten how to be productive are we not the people we used to be? Are we not the, uh, you know, powerhouse of, of of free enterprise that we used to be? I would say it is not. Th- it's not that we've changed. Maybe we have, but I don't think that's the factor here. What's changed is our choices. All these things I'm talking about, all these things we've talked about this week, are self-induced. They're all choices. They're not fate. Energy. We're the largest combined gas, coal, and oil country in the world. We have the know-how to move that stuff around. We have the know-how to use it in the cleanest possible way. If we don't have the energy, if we don't have the gas, if we, don't, if we have it but we can't afford it, that's a choice we've made at the ballot box. Not, you know, not, not at the refinery, uh, not at the drilling platform. Inflation. We didn't do this to ourselves. We chose leaders that made deliberate choices for short-term political advantage. They pumped trillions of dollars into the economy. Everybody knows what that does. We've seen it before, and they did it anyway. So the common denominator in all of these things, we have no border. The, the common denominator in all of these things is not that we don't know how or we've lost the ability or we're not the people we used to be. The common denominator is that we've chosen leaders, we've empowered elites, who would, as, as I think uh, Victor Davis Hanson said very well the other day, our elites would rather be politically correct failures than politically incorrect successes. That's what we've done. It, it is a choice. We made it, but we can unmake it. And we can still be the country that knows how to feed itself and keep the lights on, I think. Like a lot of things in this country right now that are shortages or have inflated prices, this is not we the people falling down on the job or failing or we're not the we're not the you know we're not made of the same stuff we used to be made of. This is have we've chosen leaders who hate work, who uh, look down their nose at people that make things work and make things. Period. We've chosen a generation of leaders that have never done anything but be in government. And not surprisingly, they've made a bunch of completely off-the-hook choices 
And they've embraced economics and wokeism and other ideologies that don't get it done, that don't work. And we made this choice, but we can unmake it. And we need to. Victor Davis Hanson's quote is right on. The ruling elites would rather be politically correct failures than politically incorrect successes. David is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. I always enjoy your show, as usual. And I've been in Thank San Antonio you. about five years. You guys are the number one station in my book. Anyway, Thank you. getting to this formula situation, I think it's an embarrassment to our country and to the world that as much uh, that might be hoarding or giving to the illegal people that may be coming in here, but having the, the natural-born citizens here, they can't have it for their infants. It's just an atrocity in my books. And, I, you know, I don't believe any, anything that the outgoing uh, press secretary has stated. And I guess maybe one thing lighted up, lighting it up here on a Friday is that my question was, did did Joe Biden offer her a double-dip peppermint ice cream cone if he could sniff her hair one more time? Just wanted to know. You have a good day, brother. Oh, thank you, David. It's good to hear from you. Although, I'm going to try very hard to unsee that picture. I'm going to scrub that out of my brain. All right, 210-599-5555. Yeah, I mean, the older you are, the more out of whack this seems. And I don't mean to keep referring to that, but but please understand, if you've got some mileage on your odometer, you know that empty supermarket shelves and uh, not being able to afford meat uh, and, and stuff like this, and, and having the President of the United States talk about food shortages like, it's oh, it's just a cloudy day. You know, we're going to have some food shortages. Better get used to it. You know, this is not who we are. This is not who we've ever been. And this is the, the result of political choices now i won't go all the way down the road as far as what what the 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 master plan is i don't i just know that these are people that frown on capitalism they feel superior to folks that get their hands dirty or have grease under their fingernails or know how to make things work they have no use for people that uh make stuff move stuff Although they'll pander to them a little bit around election time, and they'll you know say we we you know we want the support of your union and all that stuff. But I mean, basically we're being we're being governed by people that um, governing is all they've ever done. And when we were the country that could feed the world, instead of a country that's having trouble feeding itself, the reason we were that country is because we had chosen leaders who either had the knowledge, the know-how, outside of government, they had done more than just govern, or at least they had the sense to bring into their circle people that knew. Franklin Roosevelt himself was not a guy that had made stuff. He wasn't a micro, but he brought people in. He listened to people who told him how to build enough airplanes, how to convert uh, an economy to a war economy and how to feed people, and how to move things around. So they, they, they themselves were not the experts, but they knew how to find and listen to the experts, and they did. 
I believe we are still a country that can feed itself. I believe we're still a country that can keep its lights on. I believe we're still a country where you can have chicken once a week or, you know, steak once a week. We're not, I think we can make baby formula, you know. I, I don't think any of this is beyond us. But we have to stop voting for people who think that pronouns matter instead of production. That's what we're doing right now. We're wasting all our time and energy. We're wasting all the... You can say, well, I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. I don't, I'm not on Twitter. Okay, but my point is the people that are making all the big decisions, they are. This, these battles, they think, are the ones worth fighting, and they're fighting them. So it may not be your cup of tea, but it's the only cup of tea they're drinking from. And until we start choosing people for their can-do will-do attitude, this is what we're going to have. And they're fine with it. I believe that, for whatever reason, this chaos, this shortage economy, this, you know, whatever you want to call it, the empty shelf economy or Bidenflation or whatever you want to call it, we were calling it the, remember we were calling it the excuse sign economy a couple of months ago, Maybe their end game is to say at some point, hey, look, look, people, capitalism doesn't work. Capitalism is a failure. It's, see, it's broken. And you need to let us plan everything and control the means of production because your, 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 your much vaunted capitalism isn't getting it done. Maybe that's their goal. I don't know. I'm not saying it is. I'm just throwing that out there. But they've embraced this. They show no signs of coming to their senses about it a reversing course. Everything they've said they would do has, has not helped, has made it worse. You've got to choose better people. You've got to choose a different kind of person. You know, I think that's, I think that's what people liked about Trump, was he didn't come from government. Yeah, he had a lot of other faults and, and failings, but they felt like, well, he's done stuff, not just held titles. We're going to have to find more people like that. So there's a um, there's a new book out about um, the 2020 election and everything that went on, um, and one of the uh, authors uh, is a New York Times reporter named Jonathan Martin, and he has uh, released this uh, audio. He was with uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. He was with him on January 6, 2021. Let me play for you what. Lindsey Graham is saying on January 6, 2021, to New York Times reporter Jonathan Martin. Take a listen to this. We'll actually come out of this thing stronger. Moments like this reset. Take a while. People have calmed down. People are, I don't want to be associated with that. This is a group within a group. What this does, it will be a rallying effect for a while. The country says we're better than this. And Biden right? Yeah, totally. He'll be a maybe the best person to have, right? I mean, how bad can you get it, Joe Biden? Joe Biden will be the best person we could have right now. I mean, how mad can you be at Joe Biden? Says Lindsey Graham, uh, who I think we should never <laughs> ask for advice again. Last night he goes on Jesse Waters on Fox News Channel, and if you thought that was bad, 
listening to him grovel and plead for forgiveness is somehow even worse. Take a listen. You said that Joe Biden would be the man to heal the country and unite us and bring us all together. Let's listen and get your reaction. We'll actually come out of this thing stronger. Moments like this reset. Take a while. People will calm down. And Biden will help that, right? Yeah, totally. He'll be maybe the best person to have, right? I mean... How bad can you get it with Joe Biden? Joe Biden, the best person to have. Yeah. Do you really believe that? Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I've known Joe for 30 years. He's a nice guy, but he's been a disaster as president. You know, this was literally happening on the day of January the 6th, and I was hoping that President Biden could bring us together. Common sense tells you you want the president to be successful. But not only has he failed to bring us together, he has made us less safe. He's ruined our economy. All the bad guys are, are moving around the world. They didn't do this on Trump's watch because they're afraid of him. Nobody okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. And that, notice how he tries to shift into Trump praise, right? Uh, we were in much better shape when Trump was president. But, but on January 6th, he's like, oh, well, let's hurry up and get the Biden era started. He's who we need. What a phony. I mean, you knew this, I know, I'm not breaking any big news here, but what an absolute waste of space Lindsey Graham is. And once in a while, he'll have these little flare-ups. I don't know if he's, you know, if he drinks a Red Bull or what. And once in a while, he gets these little testosterone flare-ups where he sounds kind of, you know, almost, almost sort of manly. But, but the, the, real, the real Lindsey Graham is the guy hanging out, huddled down with, with Jonathan Martin, just wishing... Joe Biden was already president. Now, look, Lindsey Graham's a United States senator. That means he served alongside Joe. He knows Joe. How, how could he have thought that Joe Biden was the right guy? Oh, and he said, I thought he'd unite us. We've played the clips on this show so many times you're getting sick of hearing them. Joe Biden, they'll put you all back in chains. You ain't black. He's not a uniter. He's never been a uniter. He's the furthest thing from it. So I'm not buying it, and I'll tell you what this shows. I'll tell you what the I'll tell you what the Lindsey Graham thing is really about. Okay, and then we'll we'll be done with him. We're not going to dwell on him. But you know what that's really about? When these guys get up there, they become thicker and thieves. I mean, you should get along with your own brothers and sisters the way senators do. And that's the problem with staying there too long. That's the problem with not having term limits. It's us versus them. Us meaning the D.C. Beltway versus them, we the people. And he 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 didn't just... Oh, I, I made a little mistake. I had reason to believe. He had no reason to believe that Joe Biden was the best person to have at this moment. We all know what was, what was done here. Joe Biden was the Trojan horse that the radical left climbed inside of and got through the gates. And they fooled however many people they fooled. I don't believe it was 81 million, but however many it was, they fooled him. Just enough to get through the gate. The Trojan horse wasn't perfect. It was just convincing enough, right? And that's what happened here. So 
Anyone that's known Joe Biden for 30 years, as Lindsey Graham brags, has no reason to not know that he will be a disaster as president. Joe Biden's own president knew that, Barack Obama. It's sad when Barack Obama has been more honest than a Republican about Joe Biden, but it's true. Now, on the other hand, i got to say that this to me is... A, a profile in courage. This is this is something that uh, you know. This is something to feel good about. Whatever happens in the end, we told you this week that they rushed through a forty billion dollar aid package for Ukraine. They don't know what's in it. They don't know where all the money's going. It's not all going to Ukraine. Millions and millions and millions of it are going to liberal think tanks, going to the State Department going to be dispersed here in this country, quote-unquote, on behalf of Ukraine. So it's not like all $40 billion is going to help those poor, suffering people you see on your television screen. But nonetheless, they rammed it through. we got to do it, got to do it right now. And the emergency is our failure to anticipate events, our failure to be ready. That's the emergency. The emergency is placating and kowtowing to Putin for years rather than recognizing that he was going to do this, which practically telegraphed he was going to do. Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, single-handedly has held up that bill uh, on the floor of the Senate. He was the only holdout. McConnell and Schumer had all their people ready to go. And Rand Paul said, I, I insist... On a debate, I insist on reading the bill. Schumer and McConnell yelled at him. Everybody's mad at him. The usual cheap shots are being taken. He's a Putin stooge. He hates the Ukrainian people, whatever. And I, I got to say, any, any politician who will stand up to this, not because he doesn't want to help Ukrainians, but because he also cares about his oath of office. He cares about the dollars we're spending, which are American taxpayer dollars. He thinks we ought to know where they're going. He thinks we ought to know how they're going to be spent and by whom. Anybody that would do this and risk the brickbats and the name-calling, this is the kind of person we need more of. I'm not going to move to Kentucky, but I, I almost wish I could move there and vote for Rand Paul. This is what we need. And it says something that it's so easy to stampede the others. They're all they, they know he's right, but they're afraid of what will be said. I'm saying this right now, there's one of those I'm looking at my TV screen, there's one of those please help the Ukrainians right now television ads with John Hagee. This is not about how much you or I or John Hagee or anybody cares about Ukrainian men, women, and children, because I do. No one takes a, no, no one, uh, I'll take a backseat to no one on that. I care about them. I feel terrible for them. I pray for them. I've donated to them. But let's be very clear what's happening here and what Rand Paul is trying to call attention to. These politicians are throwing your money at a crisis they allowed to happen. They are trying to buy their way out of guilt and complicity 
and having enabled Putin with your money. And I don't know if you've noticed, but you don't have a lot of it laying around right now. Right? It's pretty tight right now. That's how I want you to think of this. Not, do I care about Ukrainians, or do I care about freedom, or do I care about liberty, or do I want to stop Putin? Those are not the questions here. The question here is, am I going to allow politicians who didn't do their job to buy their way out of their ish with my money? Because that's what they're doing right now. Uh, North Korea, according to Radio Free Asia, is uh, now banning dyed hair, tight jeans, and other fashion trends that have a capitalist flair. (laughs) Boy, capitalism is under attack everywhere, not just in our own country. Uh, Yes, the North Korean Socialist Patriot Youth League, which I'm pretty sure is not like a youth football program, uh, is directing its effort again, uh, drift, directing its efforts against women in their teens and twenties with long hair, dyed hair, tight jeans, or clothing emblazoned with foreign letters and logos. It's got to stop. Got to go. Piercings, mullets are also no good in North Korea. Have you heard the story about Netflix, latest thing about Netflix? Um, they apparently, you know, we've, we've told you about their troubles. They're hemorrhaging subscribers. They, uh, they're they one of the classic go-woke, go-broke stories. Um, their stock has been in free fall over the last few weeks. Um, apparently, they've had enough. And they sent out what's being dubbed the culture memo to their employees, to their staff. And it says in part, if you find it hard to support our content, breadth, and variety, Netflix may not be the best place for you to work. Memo goes on to say that if you work for Netflix, you may have to work on projects you perceive to be harmful. And if you have a hard time accepting your work assignment, maybe you should go work somewhere else. What? What a concept. Telling your employees, this is what we do, this is what makes money, either do it or we'll find someone else to do it. It's, it's starting to happen. Some people think that this was triggered by the attack on Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle is their big moneymaker and they may have had a little moment of realization when he got attacked at the Hollywood Bowl that, you know, if we keep giving into this stuff, we're not going to have anything left to, to sell, anything left of value. So maybe the attack on Chappelle was the last straw, but it kind of sounds like this has been coming for a while. Remember they had the trans walkout and they had employees saying, I, I, won't, I won't work on uh, programming that I disagree with. And uh, Netflix apparently has said, well, we've had enough of that. Remember uh, the NBA player Enos Cantor Freedom? who uh, changed his name to Freedom and has been ripping the NBA's hypocrisy on its uh, business dealings with China while it stakes out its holier-than-thou politically correct positions on issues here in this country. He's at it again. Uh, He's critiquing the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, for um, claiming to defend LGBTQ rights 
but staging preseason games in the United Arab Emirates, a country where being gay can get you killed. He says, I want to ask if Russia or North Korea offered enough money, would you, Adam Silver, consider going there and playing preseason games there too, Adam Silver? Where are your principles? You pulled out of the Charlotte All-Star Games because of a bathroom bill, while in the UAE, if you are found to be gay, you can be sentenced to death. He says people need to understand that this is hypocrisy and it shows the NBA's true colors. Good for him. Uh, A court case in the United Kingdom has resulted in this. If you call a man bald at work, that is now sexual harassment. If you refer to someone being bald, having hair loss, having a receding hairline, that is inherently related to sex, and it's the equivalent of commenting on the size of a woman's breasts say the court decision in the UK, or says the court decision in the UK. (laughs) Uh, A man had sued his um, company over being called bald. And um, I guess they've decided that being called bald is sexual harassment. Hello, Jack. Hey, just kind of working through this uh, new uh, case law on baldness in the workplace. Of course, oh. it's in the United Kingdom, but uh, the uh, a, a tribunal, an employment tribunal, has found that if you call a man bald at work, that can be considered sexual harassment in that country. So I need to be careful what I say around here if that were to apply in this country. Right. Like, for example, you couldn't say, is that your real forehead? <laughs> Or, look at the hat rack on that guy. Can't, look at the polish up there. See, can't, can't, you can't say that. I don't think that's, I mean, I'd like to maybe hear from some bald men if they haven't all already uh, boycotted the radio station. I, I, I really, because I, the bald people I know, and I feel like I know a fair number of them, I sound like I'm bragging. I, some of my best friends are bald. No, but I mean, they're very secure about it. Like, that, that is not a thing that, they're not delicate flowers, bald guys. You know what I mean? Some of them shaved their head. You know, they had some hair. They could have some hair. They could comb it around and pattern it and swirl it and, you know, make it look. But they're just like, ah, I'm good. Just take it all off. Have you ever thought about doing that? You ever thought about shaving your head? I have thought about it. I've had people tell me not to do it. Uh, they say you don't know the shape of your head. You won't. Know, but how would you know till you did it, right? You wouldn't know till you did it. I guess the problem is once you've done it, you've done it. But um, yeah, I, I don't think th- this doesn't sound right to me. I think the I think they got it wrong on this uh, on this case. A guy a guy was uh, upset because the the company where he worked, uh, some people had said some mean things to him about being bald, and and I'm I'm not I'm not condoning that. Okay, you should be nice to the people you work with. You got to all be around each other. You. You know, be, be be civil, be nice. You don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Or come over here and say it to me. Uh, but, you know, uh, the idea that, that it would be the equivalent of sexually harassing a woman. To, to comment on a man's baldness, the judges found, is the equivalent of commenting on the size of a woman's breasts. That 
that doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? 210-599-5555. And if you are bald, I mean, do people make jokes about it? Or do you make jokes about it? Or is it... Is it a sensitive subject? I don't know. Dan, Dan is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Dan, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going, man? So it says here on the screen uh, you're bald. Yeah, I'm bald. Okay. Been bald since I was 25. Um, now, are you are you completely you know, bald or just, like, uh, largely bald? Or uh, Yeah, I'll grow some hair, but just around the sides. Yeah. Um, but since I was 26, I've just been shaving it off. And so it's you, fine. You, you're not, so you don't have any up there now? Nope. Good for you. How do you like it? Yeah. Um, it's easy, easy maintenance, man. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you get, when, you get out, when you get out of bed in the morning, you look the same way you're going to look all day long. That's it. Yeah, you know it. And um, do people do people crack jokes about it, or has anybody said anything about it? Or at the beginning, friends and family, but you know, no strangers. Every now and then, oh, women, let me rub your head. Go yeah. Ahead. Oh, yeah. See, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a, I was going to say a fringe benefit, but that's not a good way to put it. Um, but that's that's kind of cool. Women want to touch your bald head, right? Guys with hair, we don't get yeah. that. I mean, you know, other things come to mind, you know, but whatever. I understand. I understand. I understand. We don't have to say those things. We can just think them, right? No. All right. Well, Dan, you keep and, uh, you keep rocking that bald head. I love that. Thank you for the call, sir. 210-599-5555. Calling a man bald at work is the equivalent of commenting on the size of a woman's breasts. Forget about asking men to comment. I guess I should have asked women to comment. That's... <laughs> Women hearing this are like, wait a minute, what? Say what? Hold on a minute. 210-599-5555. Oh, i got to play this for you. Um, Don, get cut number two ready. So these protesters outside the houses of the Supreme Court justices, I mean, this is wrong, but these people are hoops. I mean, these are some whacked-out people, even by the standards of other protests. So there was this uh, activist, protester, whatever, outside the home of Justice Amy Coney Barrett. She lives in Virginia. And she was uh, telling whoever was talking to her, interviewing her, what have you, that Amy Coney Barrett shouldn't be ruling on abortion because what does she know about giving birth? What does she know about having babies? Cut number two. Listen to this. She's Catholic. Catholic is letting their religious doctrine interfere with their ability to write sound legal doctrine. It's also possible that the fact that she is an adoptive mother is influencing her inability to see what it's like to carry a pregnancy to term. Well, she's had five kids on herself, by herself. Not everybody wants to have five kids, or four kids, or one kid. Not all Catholics are anti-choice, so it would make no sense to protest an entire religion. Again, nobody should be ashamed of their religion, 
nobody should not be Catholic. I think somebody, hold on, somebody needs to sit her down and get her a bottle of water because it sounds like she may be having a, an episode. So she's doing this because she's Catholic, but no, it's not because she's Catholic. Not all Catholics think the same about this. What does she know about having babies? She's an adoptive mother, the guy says to her, but she's delivered uh, five children. Oh, well, not everybody wants to have five children. I mean, imagine going there. So first they said men couldn't have an opinion about it because what do men know about pregnancy and having babies? And then Catholics can't have an opinion. And then adoptive women, women who've adopted cannot have an opinion. And now a woman who is both an adoptive and a biological mother can't have an opinion. And this this was one of the, the women dressed as the handmaiden from a handmaid's tale, handmaiden's tale. They all look like to me. They all look like Heinz ketchup bottles. I'm sorry. So I was talking to Dennis earlier about uh, you know back in the day when you had the one phone, when a phone was, a phone came with a house, right? Like the there was a, a phone in the house. Not everyone has a phone. A phone is personal. There was the phone. It was on the wall. Or it was on a little table. They made little tables for phones. And you know what else uh, that kind of puts me in mind of was, remember when there was the family television? There was a television maybe in the living room. And that was it. That was the TV. If if, if you were going to watch TV, that was the TV you watched. And if your parents put something on, like if your dad wanted to watch golf, then everybody watched golf. Uh, or your mom liked, you know, some show. Everybody watched that show. What was the TV show that you were forced to watch as a kid and hated? What was the TV show you were forced to watch as a kid and hated? Remember, when, you know, just, there maybe were three or four channels, not a lot to choose from. <laughs> there were certain nights that were just deadly, just no good choices. Tell me the name of the TV show you were forced to watch as a kid. Like, for example, and and my to, to be honest, I, I think about this now. I, my parents were not that old, but man, they sure did like themselves some Lawrence Welk. Boy, they they were just crazy about Lawrence Welk. Couldn't get enough of. The tap dancing guy, what was his name? Arthur Duncan? And the champagne lady, remember they'd have the champagne bubbles and this lady would come out and sing? And the guy with the accordion, Myron Florin, who he he, he lasted a long time, long, long after the Lawrence Welk show was was, you know, up there in the in uh, TV heaven. I think by then probably Lawrence Welk was in heaven. Uh, Myron Florin, remember, he was still touring. He was still doing concert tours. and he was Very popular. He'd make an appearance. They'd sell out. He, he was around for a long time. But, boy, they loved the Lawrence Welk show. And as kids, we would sit there and watch it because, you know, at, at, least, the, at least it was TV. But there just wasn't, you know, they never had, like, a cool guest star like the Lawrence Welk show with Sonny and Cher or, you know, never, never. If they had a guest star, it was like, oh, we have, we have Anita Bryant. Oh, wow, that'll that'll spice things up. So what was the TV show you remember having to watch with your parents 
you were forced to watch as a kid. 210-599-5555. Oh, uh, Ben says the Waltons. Yeah, that's another one we had to watch. My parents love the Waltons. Those, those wholesome Waltons. Uh, Mike is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Mike, good afternoon. Hey, how you doing, sir? Good. What was the TV show you were forced to watch as a kid? Well, on Friday nights, it was all in the family before we could watch anything. Oh, and on Saturdays, okay. we got, we got, yeah, we got stuck with uh, the Lawrence Welk show. Oh, your parents liked that too. What was what was it about Lawrence Welk? It was like he hypnotized all the parents. Yeah, it seems like back in the seventies, he had, for some reason, all the parents were just zoomed into that, and it's like, yeah. okay. Like you said, we had one TV. We had yep. ABC, NBC, CBS, and me. Yep. If we got the bunny ears just right, we might get right. something a little bit local for for the weather. <laughs> right. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, Lawrence Welk, though, I'll tell you, that was, uh, you couldn't get away from that if you're a certain age. Mike, thanks for the call. Have a good weekend, and thank you for calling our show. Um, I looked it up. The Lawrence Welk show was on from the 50s to the early 80s. So that covers a lot of generational territory. There's a good chance you. We're subjected to that. Maybe your parents, maybe your grandparents, you know, Lawrence Welk. Got to have me some Lawrence Welk. I, I guess it was soothing, you know. There's, it wasn't going to ruffle your feathers. It wasn't, he wasn't controversial, right? It was never like a, a picket or a protest about Lawrence Welk. So maybe that was it. 210-599-5555. Debbie says, murder, she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Murder, She Wrote was like the, that was like the Lawrence Welk of, of mystery shows, of crime shows. Yeah, Angela Lansbury, Murder, She Wrote. 210-599-5555, Matt is on the radio. Hi, Matt. Hi, hi, Jack. Um, Mine was Hee Haw. Oh, yeah. Now, Hee Haw was more fun than Lawrence Welk. Well, it's, it was. Lawrence Welk, if I recall, was Sunday night, and uh, Hee Haw was Saturday night. And uh, my dad would have steak night for us on Saturday night, and up until Hee Haw was on, he would play his Eddie Arnold albums. Wow. Yeah. You paid for those steaks. Well, you know, (laughs) it was not easy with my dad, (laughs) let me tell you. So, anyway... But he's he's gone. May his soul rest in peace. Yeah. But. yeah. No. Hey, those were. I mean, those those shows got a lot of people through a lot of Sunday nights. So can't knock them. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Hee Haw, the Lawrence Welk Show, the Waltons, Murder She Wrote. Let's see what else we come up with here. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Eric's on the radio. Hi, Eric. Well, you know, you stole my thunder. You started talking about what was the show, and the first thing that came to my mind was the Lawrence Welk show whenever I was a child. But if I had to choose another show, uh, I'd have to say Green Acres. That, that oh, yeah. yeah. I could not stand it. And there was one other show, and the guy, it was like a talk show, uh, and he is the producer of, uh, or was, the producer of The Wheel of Fortune and some other game shows. Back in the seventies, hmm. he had a talk show. I cannot hmm. remember his name. Do you? Oh, um, is that is that Merv Griffin? There you go, the Merv Griffin show. Yeah, couldn't yeah. stand it. Couldn't really? Stand that show. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Because now that was yeah, one that that was one that we watched, and I actually I kind of liked it. I because he had interesting people sometimes. You know, he saw he would have everybody. They'd have all kinds of people on that show. He did. But I guess if you're a kid, that could be kind of boring, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Because most of the people they were interviewing, we had no idea who they were. <laughs> we didn't know who they were. were. Yeah, that's true. All we were interested in were the superheroes and the cartoons. Yeah. You know, back then. And, See, you were uh, too young for that. it. Now, now, if Merv Griffin was still doing that, now you would be of the age where you could probably think, I appreciate this guy. I like what he's doing. Oh, right? I, I, would watch, I would watch him over any of the other uh, late yeah. shows yeah. today, that's for sure. But Green Acres, yeah, that one, I know it was a spinoff of, you know, from the Beverly Hillbillies and everything grew from there, but I just could not stand, uh, uh, what's her name, Jaja Gabor? Jaja Gabor, there you go. Yeah, well, it was a crazy premise for a show too. That they were they were city folk and they had given it all up to live on a farm. Uh, thank you though, Eric. Good good call. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, Merv Griffin was a, if I remember correctly, I believe was a singer, and became uh, had like a second career where he uh, had this long running uh, talk show and and very popular. And it was on at, for a period of time. It was on at night and the period of time it was in syndication in the daytime. And I remember watching that as a kid, Mike Douglas was another one. They had the, the Mike Douglas show kind of the same in the same vein, you know, celebrity guests, long interviews, authors, political figures, cultural figures. Um, I really think if you did that today, it would be huge. I think those kinds of shows um, presumed a level of intelligence. Today, television treats us like we're like we're nitwits. Everything on is just the dump, lowest common denominator, dumb and dumber, and that was at least a little more. But that's why, as kids, we found it you know kind of dull, right? Uh, there were a bunch of shows like that. I'm, I'm probably forgetting some other names, but Dick Cavett was like that, right? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Eddie says Matlock. <laughs> There's another one that's like Murder She Wrote. Yeah, they, I mean it was there was some suspense, but it was it was kind of you know it was very it was easy listening murder. You know what I mean? It was like elevator music crime. So yeah, Matlock and Murder She Wrote. All right, what was the TV show you were forced to watch as a kid? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Liz is on five fifty KTSa. Hi, Liz. Hey, Jack. Um, my my grandma used to make me watch Wheel of Fortune and um, Jeopardy, and to this oh, day yeah. I can't watch TV shows. But being low kid on the fo- totem pole, you know, yeah. that's the other thing. When you're the younger kid, you kind of get the last bite. And they made me watch Brady Bunch. That was so horrible. Really? You didn't like Brady Bunch? Not, well, you know, they were older and they were, it just was so corny. It, just was, it so was pretty corny. Yeah, that's true. Even then I knew it was corny. Yeah, that's true. We kind of, we could kind of see through it, but, uh, but it was better I than. I wanted to know was, what Gilligan was, what, what happened to Gilligan? You know, that there you was go. my concern, you know? Yeah. Forget the Brady's. They've got a house to live in. Gilligan is stuck on an island. Exactly. Know? They got challenges and stuff. Absolutely. But somehow that radio worked the whole time. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That sure is interesting. All right, Liz, good call. Thank you. All right, so when we were growing up, one TV in the house, right, uh, under the complete control and authority of the parental unit or units, you didn't have your own screen of any size. There weren't even very many channels. So not only did they control the programming, but there wasn't a lot to control. 
There was always at least one night a week that was just dreadful, just something that they wanted to watch. And you could go, you could, you could go in another room, but if you want to watch TV, this is what's on. And so we would sit there like idiots for Lawrence Welk, who, by the way, is running away with this question that we asked. Poor Lawrence Welk. Uh, the question is, which TV shows were you forced to watch as a kid? You hated it. You dreaded it. But you watched anyway. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Richard says, Flip Wilson and All in the Family and Sanford and Son. See, I, I liked those shows, actually, but, you know, I guess not for everybody. Uh, Mike says, Bonanza. Uh, Blanca says, Ozzy and Harriet. Um... Terry says, to be honest, most of the shows from uh, that era were much better than what we have today. I, that is true, but Lawrence Welk, for a little kid, was pretty, that was, that just was like taking cough syrup, you know? That just, it might have been good for you, but still weren't enjoying it. Uh, let's see here. Terry is on KTSA. Hi, Terry. Hi. Uh, yeah, my parents used to watch uh, a lot of Spanish shows. And the show that I hated so much was the wrestling in Spanish. It was called Lucha Libre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. it was, I think it was on Friday night. And that was every Friday night, huh? Yeah, I just hated it. Yeah. But what else are we going to do, right? I mean, that was probably the only TV in the house, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> so it was either that or look at a wall. All right, Terry, thank you. Spanish wrestling, there you go. Tony is on KTSA. Hi, Tony. Johnny. Johnny, Johnny. sorry about that. Hi, Johnny. That's all right. 21st century on Sunday night. century. I don't know that one. What is that? What was that about? Well, it was sort of like a historical look over the 60s and what's projected into the 70s and 80s. Oh, okay. So, so that, was, it was, that was one my dad always watched. But then another one was Red Skeleton and Leave It to Beaver. Oh, Toby okay. Gillis. Huh. So, so that, that documentary one, that was called 20... I'm going to have to look that up. It was called 21st Century, huh? I, I believe so. It was either 20, 20th or 21st Century. I think it was 21st yeah. Century, yeah. Sunday okay. night yeah. it came on. I'll have to look that up. Well, very good. Thank you for those. All good ones. Thanks, Tony. Um, you know, when he said, when he, when I pick up the phone, guys, it's 21st century. I'm like, yes, it is. Okay, I agree with that. Uh, Mary is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Mary. Hi, Jack. So Hi, what was the show you had to watch when you were a kid because your parents had it on or your grandparents or whoever, and you just dreaded it? Oh, Dad always tuned in to Canon. He was the private PI that drove yes. the Lincoln, and everybody had to be quiet during Canon, and we always <laughs> would bicker and, and joke about it. And well, it you know, it, it, I, I'm laughing because I actually really liked that show. So <laughs> I probably would have got along with your dad. But um, it was funny because he was a private eye, but he was a very, I mean, how can we say it politely? He didn't look like one. Uh, he was, he was, um, uh, I don't know, challenged when it came to running or know, <laughs> running after the bad guy. He was always conniving, and, and yes. he was always a smart guy. 
He was good, yes. If you could solve the crime mentally, Cannon was your man. But if there was a foot chase or a fist fight, Cannon was was not your man. Definitely not. uh, You know what what was weird about that show? William Conrad was the star, and he was a very heavy guy, and he was bald, and, you know. I I thought it was always weird. They always wrote the storyline so that his female um, client would fall in love with him. Did you notice that? Well, and I used to think, uh, really, the 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 nice um, Lincoln Continental. Yes, he did. He always had a nice Lincoln Continental Mark IV or Mark III or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> he had a great car. He had a cool apartment. He had a very cool, like, you know, uh, kind of bachelor apartment. But yeah, no, that show was on for a long time. And you're right; it was kind of kind of different. Canon. <laughs> All right, Mary, very good memory. Appreciate that. 210-599-5555. Um, let's see, Valerie is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. We're talking about the TV show you were forced to watch as a kid, Valerie. What, what, oh, we just lost Valerie. Okay. Let me go to Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. Hey there. Hey. What was, what was the show be- you were forced to watch as a kid? Oh, my gosh. Well, there's probably a few, but it had to be Perry Mason because that was so boring to me. And my family just, you know, <laughs> as a kid, I'm like, I don't even know what the, what's going on here, you know? Um, it, oh. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, that was kind of like canon. I mean, not a lot of action, right? It was, it was all mental, right? It was, yeah. And, I mean, look, I know a lot of families loved it. They'd all sit around and watch it. I just, yeah. I just couldn't stand it. That and that and um, one, the, another one that was almost as bad was Family Affair with that man and those oh. kids. And, oh, my gosh. That was terrible. I had forgotten about that. That was terrible. Mr. French was the butler. Yes. yes. And those two, those two bratty kids. And then they had bratty a much older. Kids. What was the older girl like? Their, was she their sister or their cousin? Or Remember yeah. there was an older girl? Yeah, if I remember right, she was the adopt Brian Teeth, who was the I think he, he was, was their uncle. Father, right? right. Oh, he he, was, the he was their uncle who had adopted them, right? Right, right. And I think Sissy, that was her name. The little that was Sissy, girl, right? Yeah. Pretty girl, but I think yes. she was the niece of Uncle whatever. Gotcha. Brian okay. So I kind of had a crush on Sissy. She was the well, only yeah. thing about watching the show. I did like yeah. her because she. She was a she was a nice looking young lady, but but yeah, Brian Keith was never there. I thought never. it was very weird that the butler was really raising them, right? Like yeah, and you know, Mr. French, you just didn't like. I just didn't really like. No, Mr. French. didn't care for him. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was very boring. I'm gonna have to take issue with you on Perry Mason though, because I I really like Perry Mason. I, I I'm a big fan of that show, but I suppose when I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have been. You should yeah, you should try it again most- now. I bet you'd like it now. I have seen some reruns, and of course, at the at that time, I was probably under, you know, close to ten. Yeah. So maybe for me, it was just boring and a little bit over my head. Oh, my yeah. parents loved. Everybody loved Perry Mason. I just, oh yeah, I just yeah. remember hating it. <laughs> I understand. No, I believe me. I get it. It was on for a long time too, uh, oh, yeah. in reruns. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it ever went yeah. off the air. I think it's been in reruns constantly. Cheryl, great call. Thank you. All right, Family Affair. I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, that, that definitely belongs on the list. Um, Don says, extreme home makeover. <laughs> My parents loved that guy that was the host. What was that guy's name? I can't think of the guy. You know it, Don? The guy in extreme home makeover? Got a spiky hair? 
kind of had like an ad. It made him a star. It, it kind of made him uh, a big star. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don says um, when they would do the big reveal, it was like we were in church. We had to be so quiet. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, 210-599-5555. The dish coming up after 6. What was the TV show uh, you were forced to watch as a kid back in the day? One television in the house, just a few channels. Parents made the decisions. Uh, Michael's on KTSA. Hi, Michael. Hey, Jack. Thanks for taking my call. Mine is, um, and it actually, this great topic because it brought back memories of my late father, but it was WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> we oh. had to watch that, which was on WGN. The only great thing about that show was watching Lonnie Anderson. And, you know, when you, you've never seen a blonde because we had lived overseas in Saudi, you see this blonde and you're like, oh, my God, who is this? That was the only good thing about that show. Who was the other um, lady on that show that worked at the radio station? I can't think of her name. I don't, I, I, you know, I know who you're talking about. She had, like, brown hair? Yes, yes. I, I don't remember her name, but, uh, you know. I always thought uh, she was actually prettier than Lonnie Anderson. I know that's probably oh, no a minority. Way. Lonnie had her beat. Oh, yeah. no. Come on. Jeff. I know. The, uh, well, the, hey, you know, different, different, different. We all have uh, our, we all have our own uh, lane, right? You, you know, can have you Lonnie Anderson, the- but I liked the I liked the girl with the brown hair and the glasses. That was kind of hot the way she had the glasses on and the steno pad all the time. You know, <laughs> Just saying. you were about to mention a saying that's a show that we also had to watch. Was different strokes, you know. That was a good oh yeah that as well. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that. So, but um, yeah. So thanks for taking a call and bringing back memories. Yeah. Thank you. As a kid, the the big winner is the Lawrence Welk show. There's a lot of a lot of suffering there. May need reparations for that. I don't know. Uh, but a lot of other names coming up here. Uh, Steven says, Streets of San Francisco. That was not... Actually, I thought that was a pretty good show. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded if my parents had watched that regularly. Carl Malden, Michael Douglas, young Michael Douglas. Kind of uh, like the odd couple of policing. Um, oh, uh, Matt wrote to me. A lot of people wrote, and Matt is one of them. Um, the actress I was trying to think of was Jan Smithers. Uh, when I was talking to, to uh, Michael about WKRP in Cincinnati, yeah, Lonnie Anderson was the star. But the other female lead was Jan Smithers. She played a character called Bailey. And I just remember thinking, is there something wrong with me? Because I think she's hotter. I still do. But, you know, obviously that would be a... Uh, I'm 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 having a minority opinion there on that one. 210-599-5555, the TV show your parents forced you to watch as a kid and Terry is on the radio on KTSA. Hi Terry. Nope, oh, we just lost Terry. Okay. Terry was going to say gun smoke. Let's see if we can get Alan in here. Alan, you're on KTSA. How you doing? Okay, I'm not a fan. Uh my grandpa always had to watch the old Jackie Gleason show in the early 80s. I mean, early '60s, because yeah. because he thought because he was fat and he thought he was so funny. Anything he could say, do he'd come out uh, <laughs> in front of the audience from Miami, in front of Miami, Florida, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a coffee cup uh, and, and right. a cigarette, and he'd yep. go on and just, it was boring, boring, boring. And I thought, <laughs> gosh, but he was old. He was my old eighty-year-old grandpa, and I yeah. and I loved him dearly. But he just was 
that was awful. That was his thing. thing. Yeah, that was his thing. He had to have it. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Yeah, I think we probably could have even asked, thank you, Alan, we probably could have even asked the question, not parents made you watch, but grandparents made you watch. Because there was a chance your parents might be into a show that you liked, too. But, boy, if your grandparents were controlling the television or you were at their house, that was probably going to be some pretty dry fare, right? You know, like like, uh, Kim wrote, uh, when my grandparents visited, we always had to watch Gunsmoke. Uh, so what was the TV show you were forced to watch as a kid back in the one television per household uh, era? And Mary Kay is on KTSA. Hi, Mary Kay. How about uh, This Is Your Life with Ralph Edwards? Oh, you you're, that goes back a ways. Yeah, there you right. go. They would have somebody. I go back, way back. I go back <laughs> to when TV was only available X number of hours a day. That's right. That's right. They'd sign off. So This Is Your Life, for folks that don't remember that, what was that about? That was about a, uh, a special person, and they mm-hmm. would find people from uh, their lives over the years and that they hadn't seen in years and years and right. years and surprise them. Yeah. And then of See, course, we wouldn't need that now people, because that's what Facebook is now. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> the other one would be the original Candid Camera, and I think that was with Gary Moore. Maybe, yeah. I know Alan Funt was associated with Candid Camera, too, but maybe Gary Moore did it. Um, yeah, those are good ones. Life with Riley. Life of Riley, yes. You got a good memory, Mary Kay. For a 73-year-old, that's not you're, too bad. You're probably like me, though. You can remember that stuff from way back, but you can't remember, like, this morning, right? No, I'm afraid I can still remember this morning, too. Oh, well, that's good. Then you're ahead of me. You're doing even better than I am. Well, God bless you. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Um, you know, she, when she said, this is your life, that reminded me of another show my parents used to watch. Uh, they had a show called What's My Line? It was a game show. And the contestants had to figure out who the person, the, the, the special guest was. They'd have a panel of contestants. Panels were a big thing on old television shows. They always had to have a panel. And the, you watching at home would know who the person was. You'd watch them struggle to figure out who the person was. And I don't know. I, as, even as a kid, I used to wonder, are these things all fixed? Do they just pretend they don't know so you can fill an hour and really they do know? Or I don't know. Anyway, um, we get one more in here before we run out of uh, time. James is on the radio. Hi, James. Hey, how's it going? What was the show you remember your parents making you watch as a kid? Oh, Survivor and Big Brother. I couldn't stand either of those shows. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I do not like reality TV at all. Do you like any of the reality shows? or? I, I, I don't. I, I live yeah. in reality. I don't want to watch TV for reality. If I do Perfect. that, I want to watch the news. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. I live in reality. I don't need to watch it. I'm going to use that line, James. That's a good one. Well, in this hour of the show, nobody is getting woke, but it's possible somebody is getting fed, right? Not fed up, just fed. Uh, We call this last hour of the last show of the week, The Dish. It's all about restaurants, restaurants in and around San Antonio.
So San Antonio and surroundings, right? And it's about where you had lunch today or you went out this week or you celebrated a special occasion or you went to a new restaurant that just opened up or maybe you found a place so it's not new but it's new to you. Or you're singing the praises of an old favorite of yours. You want to tell everybody about a place you've been crazy about for a long time. And we're talking about the food, the price, the service. You can praise... Or zing. You gotta be frustrated. I know. I can taste it. Ooh. I can taste it. I can taste my frustration. Pray, praise or zing. Any restaurant, any kind of food, any price, anywhere in and around San Antonio, 210 599 5555. That's how you do it. Call the show, 210 599 5555. And I wanna point out that you may be. I have people say this to me all the time, and I know, I know how they mean it, but it sounds funny when they say it. When, they, when I meet somebody and they find out what I do, they go, well, I'm not the kind of person that would call a talk show, or I'm not the kind of person that's ever called a talk show. Like, there's that kind of person. You know, The callers are that kind of person. I'm not that kind of person. But here's the thing. With the dish, even people that never call talk radio can call talk radio. This is not like calling in and and getting them in an argument with the obnoxious host. This is not, you know, because we're, we're just talking about restaurants, and I just want to hear about where you've been and what you've had and what's good and what you recommend. Praise or zing on the dish. 210-599-5555. And along the way, we'll get the remaining votes on the JR poll. We'll have the results on our poll question right before 7 o'clock. Poll question tonight, are you superstitious about Friday the 13th? Some people are. Um, we had, we had so many emails about the, uh, television show you were forced to watch, uh, as a kid. And, um, I, you know, I was thinking about this too. We, it would, it would be even worse now because at least when we were kids, we kind of knew there wasn't anything better or much better on, or we didn't really even know what was on. But imagine now if you were if you were making your kids watch Lawrence Welk now, and they knew there were five hundred other channels, whew, that that makes it a lot harder. I mean, that makes it a lot worse. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. All right, so let's talk restaurants. Let's get right to it. Praise or zing your most recent experience here on the dish. And Gennaro is going to get us started on KTSa. Happy Friday, Gennaro. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right, sir. Uh, I'm going to throw a shout out for Good Time Charlie's. Um, I was there a couple of days ago, and I went to uh, Half Price Books, and I was doing a little bit of shopping and everything, and I went there. And I ordered the fried mushrooms with gravy, and I took them to go, and I'm on the bus, man, and... It took me about an hour and a half to get home, and these things were still piping hot. Wow. And I had leftovers the next day. Nice. And and uh, Good Time Charlie's, I, I believe they're celebrating an anniversary. Um, uh, praise, man. Praise. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, real quick, the show that I hated watching 
first off was Lauren well, uh, Lawrence Welch. Uh, second was Hee Haw, and my dad made me watch it. And I'm like, Dad, this is so boring. I was like four years old. I'm like, why are you watching this? And he's no. like, one of these days, son, you're going to understand the concept of Hee Haw. Yeah. And yeah. then I reached puberty, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell us, Gennaro, what is the concept of Hee Haw? The women. Uh-huh. The the where they're in the the hayfield and they're popping mm-hmm. up and everything making the jokes. Yes, they are. They're popping up. <laughs> the, the, uh, the 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 it's been a, it's been a good crop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hear you. All right, very good. There's a lot of stuff like that right. when you get older. You're like, oh, now I now I see the deal. You know what we could have done? I don't want to start another topic. We're staying with restaurants, but you know what we could have done too was we could have done like a sports version. Because my dad would watch um, Wide World of Sports. Was that on Saturday? I think it was on Saturday on ABC. Where Jim McKay and uh, Chris Schenkel and, and all these different guys. And Anyway, they do all these different sports. That was the, the premise of it was it was the Wide World of Sports. But the sport that I could never get, my dad would watch it on television. And it's so boring on television is bowling. I'm not putting down bowling. Bowling is fun when you go bowling. I'm sorry, watching people bowl? There's, it's the same motion over and over again. It's not like some guy has a different delivery, like, you know, you watch a pitcher and he's always oh, got the sidearm delivery or he's getting it in there at 100 miles an hour. It's the same thing. And when we were kids and you'd watch bowling, nowadays professional bowlers kind of look like athletes, right? They're kind of, they're kind of built, right? When I was a kid, they were all like pot belly guys. They look, they didn't look like athletes at all. They were professional bowlers. And my dad didn't bowl. He never bowled. But he'd watch this like it was required viewing. And I think it was because he was waiting for other stuff to come on. That was the deal with Wide World of Sports. It would be There'd be something else, that, like maybe auto racing or another thing that you'd be interested in. But, uh, yeah, no, bowling on television. I don't can't quite get that. Praise for Good Time Charlie's 2922 Broadway. On the dish. I did get a little off subject there, didn't I? But it's my show, so I can do that. Um, Wendy is on the dish on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Happy Friday, Wendy. Happy Friday, Jack. Uh, my daughter took me to Julian's on um, the one on West Avenue uh, for Mother's Day. And it was fabulous. I know they're a sponsor. You, you talk about them all the time, but mm-hmm. you are exactly right. The, the food was fabulous we loved it and i loved our waiter we had our waiter's name was dave oh my gosh he was so funny and and just the right balance of paying attention to us and leaving us alone he, he got it he nailed nice. it and and nice. we had a great time what did you do you remember what you had oh yes i remember what i had <laughs> yeah we both we both started with salads and she had italian i had uh caesar and they were great and then she had uh eggplant Eggplant parmesan, which she raved about and made me, force me to take a bite. I never liked eggplant before, but now I do. It was mm. so good. And then I had the chicken parm, and it was delicious. Yeah. Well, those are both really good choices. You did well. You'll have to go yeah. back sometime and try the pizza. Yes, I need to do that. And I, I almost did then, And she, but she wanted me to, you know, she was treating me and wanted me to, 
to each special. So, right, <laughs> so right. I went with the chicken pot. And then she went, uh, my daughter's so sweet, uh, Rosemary, she went over and got me a tiramisu to take home yes. um, to go because I was so stuffed because yeah. I give you plenty. And uh, she said, I know you love tiramisu. Mom, I got you one to go. So oh, Very nice. Very nice. It sounds yeah, like a great day, great. and I think you picked a good place. So, Wendy, oh, thanks for sharing that with us, and, and, and you have a good weekend. I appreciate your calling. Praise for Julian's Italian Pizzeria and Kitchen at West Avenue and Bitters. Joe is on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday, Joe. Happy Friday. Um, man, before I tell you my, my praise, you're killing me on Lawrence Welk and the bowling. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember watching that bowling and like having to sit in front of the TV watching yeah. it. And yeah. it's not like those guys, they're, they're all good. Like, you know, you don't have, oh, they're incredible. Yeah. They're but... always, yeah. So like, it's not like you're watching a college football game where the athletes mess up and that, that kind of brings the variety, but Oh God. <laughs> and the bubbles. <laughs> yes. Was, um, yeah. So, the bubbles. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Okay, so my praise is for Bourbon Street, um, which I guess is a small chain, uh, but uh, off the one that we go to is off I-10 Access Road across from the Dominion. And, uh, you know, we've been going there for, gosh, three, four years, and uh, we, ne- we have never had a bad meal there. And I tell you, you know, the service is really, really good. It's like the perfect amount of time in a restaurant like you never wait um they don't rush you but they also you know it's not like you're going to be there for two hours eating and of course we always have our favorite dishes and we tend to get them all the time which is crazy but that being said like it's always so fresh and um really think it's like a good value for the money you spend oh yeah yeah no i agree with you i uh i don't usually go to that one i usually go to the one on 1604 but i, I feel the same way about yeah. it uh, everything on the menu is a winner you can't you could order blindfolded you wouldn't you wouldn't go wrong what is your yeah, favorite thing to get the there it's the chicken. We just went there last night. It's the chicken Francesca, I believe. Um, it's like a, a lightly battered chicken with a kind mm-hmm. of a lemonish sauce, and it's got uh, you know white rice or dirty rice. And um, oh gosh, and I, that's why we keep ordering it because it's so good. And it's like yeah. we can't really make that at home either. Like we try, but we can't, you know duplicate it <laughs> so there you go yeah yeah no good stuff yeah, they've good done place. a good job for a long time and I was i'm really, glad you called joe really and i'm with that, you on the bowling and i'm with yeah. you on the bubbles bubbles and bowling and <laughs> bubbles and bowling and bourbon street praise for bourbon street seafood i-10 across from the dominion it's 22015 22015 i-10 uh access road up there near the dominion and they have other locations too they have the one on 1604 uh, and I think there's another one somewhere else, too. 210-599-5555 as we take your calls on the dish on KTSA. And Brown is on the radio. TGIF, Brown. Hey, Jack. How you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm wonderful. So I have never had pho before. I didn't even know what it was. But I uh, I went into a place called Pho La on uh, Nacogdoches. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, you, you know, it's... I think there's a laundry mat next to it. It doesn't doesn't look like there should be anything in there that the food tastes that way. But I'm going to say that if you could give it a faux show, that is uh, (laughs) praise. (laughs) 
I got the seafood delight, and I don't even know what some of the stuff that was in there was, but it was a delight to eat it, I'll tell you that. Oh. So you, you said it and was uh, faux la. Is, um, yeah. is that the one that's over near, um, like, Nacogdoches and O'Connor? Yes. Okay. And it's a little, I think it's someone's grandmother and maybe the granddaughter that run the place. You know, definitely family-owned. And uh, they babysit, I guess, the, one of the kids sometimes. But, you know, yeah. that it, it, you can sit down in there, um, you know, and it, it just it, it is it is a strange little place. But when I went in, I didn't know what to expect. I sat down. I was by myself, and I literally got this big, giant bowl of soup, mm-hmm. and they called mm-hmm. it pho, and mm-hmm. it was amazing. I definitely will be eating it again. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love I, I love that Vietnamese food, and uh, and I have not been to that place, but I've been by it a number of times. Now that you've called it in, I'm definitely going to check it out because I know it's right over there near. Uh, I think Planet Fitness is near it, right? Yes, yeah. you know, no, well, really, truly, the only reason I, I'm going to these restaurants so I can give you a call on the phone and tell you how awesome they are. So that is so <laughs> nice of you. It's not like you're hungry or anything. You're just no, trying to help. All. You're just and trying to help Jack ding, out. If I ever had a if I ever had a ding, Jack, I'm not going to give that to you. I'm going to only give you the good stuff. So that's you know, fine I with me. We go out and eat at these little restaurants, man, and just support our local community. You right, know? right. Well, I'm glad you called, and I hope you have a good weekend. It's always good to hear from you, hey, Brown. You too, Thank, you. Thank you, and praise for. And I always, I think, I somebody can correct me on this. I I want to say fo, but I think it's fa. I think they say it fa. So it'll probably be fa la, thirteen seven seven seven. Nacogdoches Road, near O'Connor. So, Fa La, 13777, Nacogdoches Road. Um, yeah, the places with good Fa usually are small places. And there's usually like a family ownership or, you know, mom and pop. But that's okay. Uh, usually don't find like giant Fa emporiums. You know, they're usually very small places. It's Some, some food is like that. Where like barbecue is always like a small little joint. And Vietnamese food is usually like that. And um, we have a lot of good ones. Tremendous number of, of really good uh, Vietnamese and and, um, and other Asian restaurants. So, yeah. 210-599-5555 on the dish. We're talking restaurants you can praise or zing your most recent experience with. And Greg is next on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Greg. Yes, sir. Same to you. Don't really call uh, in, but a uh, place called Conroy's up at I-10 and Fair Oaks Ranch. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. No, tell me about it. Uh, well, it's uh, Irish Bar and Grill. Uh, you go in there, it's, you know, it just looks like a regular bar and grill. Pretty great atmosphere. You don't expect much. Their shrimp, uh, bacon wrap shrimp, uh, jalapeno bacon wrap shrimp is to die for. Great prices. Hmm. Got uh, excellent burgers at a reasonable price, but their uh, their shrimp is is just amazing for a bar. This guy, I think, is from Louisiana, and believe it or not, you walk into like a local bar and grill, you don't expect to have you know really high high quality. But I tell you what, it, this food is tremendous. And you said it was on Fair Oaks Parkway in Bernie, right? Well, it's uh, I ten and Fair Oaks Ranch. Right behind the CVS. There's a CVS on the corner and a frost bank on the other side. Okay. And you turn right off the highway going west, uh, take a left into the parking lot. It's called Conroy's. 
very unassuming, but I tell you what, yep. everything I've eaten there has been just great and very reasonably priced. All right, so the first time I go, i got to try the jalapeno shrimp. Yeah. All right, very good, Greg. they got great sandwiches. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend that. Is it a big place or a small place? What would you say? Uh, medium size. They have an area where they have bands that play every Thursday, I think, and maybe mm-hmm. Saturdays. Uh, but uh, a couple of pool tables, you know. But like I said, you go in there expecting drinks. Yeah, and they got great drinks. Uh, um, but, the, you know, the food, uh, you know, will knock your socks off just because the fact it's so high quality for a place that looks like a regular bar and grill. Right. Interesting. All right. You know, I'm looking at their hours here, and it says they're open 11 to 11.30, but on Saturdays and Sundays, they open at 8 a.m., so they must they must do like a do like a brunch or something on the weekend, huh? Well, you know what? I, I don't think that's correct, because uh, I think they still open up at 11, but they have great breakfast. I mean, they're... they're uh, uh, they did. It's not necessarily listed on the menu, and you can kind of off order, you know, a breakfast. Uh, oh, okay. Man, I got I got an omelet the size of a plate. Yeah. A uh, three egg omelet that was the size of a plate. So delicious, and again, uh, great. Ha- I mean, it, it just I don't think you can order. Uh, I haven't eaten everything, but stuff I've eaten there been uh, fabulous. Very good. Well, you definitely sold it to me. Sounds great, and I'm glad you called, Greg. Thank you for calling our show. And praise, first time call on the dish, praise for Conroy's Irish Pub, 9091 Fair Oaks Parkway off I-10. All right, this half hour, the results on the JR poll. We're going to see how you voted on the question tonight. Are you superstitious about this being Friday the 13th? 210-599-5555. As we take your calls on the dish, we're talking restaurants. You can praise or zing your most recent experience with one. And Matt is on KTSA. Happy Friday, Matt. Oh, happy Friday. Happy uh, Friday the 13th to you. Yes. Yes. All right. So uh, yesterday, uh, on my lunch break, driving around the west side, just aimlessly looking for a restaurant, I came across Good News Burgers. And it... uh, Walked in there, and they, they gave me a little rundown of what they do. They don't put, like, uh, mustard or ketchup or mayo on the burger because they, they of the spices they put on there. They get their beef from a very particular ranch, I guess, over in Poth, and uh, they fly their buns in from someplace in Nevada, I guess, or something like that. I didn't quite catch where she flew the buns in from, but, you know, I was intrigued. I got the, I got the bacon cheeseburger with uh, onion rings. It's like $12.00. You know, so you'd spend that at McDonald's. And I tell you what, it's the best, best burger I've had probably in 15 years. Wow. Wow. So what made it so good? Was it the bun? Was it the burger? What was the deal? No, the burger, when you bit into that burger, you could, you could immediately taste the spices on there. You know, yeah. it's, I, I don't know how to explain it, right? Like, it, yeah. it, it kind of, like, tasted like, a, uh, you know, it had a little, I mean, I could taste the bacon in there, but it was... It tasted like you were biting into a steak almost, right? Yeah. Like, like like the top part yeah. of the steak that, that yep. you know, before you get to the juiciness. Right. No, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. So um, was it a big place, small place? Why would you describe the, the look of it? <laughs> well, it's behind a beat-down 
gas station. You see the place, and it looks not. It looks all right on the outside, and what you walk inside, it's 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 a pretty nice place inside, but it's yeah. it's small. You know, yeah. they got they got two different areas where you can seat, uh, sit down, and the people are extremely friendly there. It's family owned. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go back there again. I, I work over at Kennedy High School, so anytime I get a chance to leave on the lunch, I'm going straight there instead of McDonald's or Sonic. Awesome. Very good. All right, that's our first time calling the dish for that one. Matt, thank you, sir. You have a good weekend. The Good News Burgers is the name of the place. The Good News Burgers, 972 Southwest 36th Street. For the Good News Burgers. Get the bacon cheeseburger with the onion rings, like biting into a steak, right? Yes. I'll vote for that. 210-599-5555 on the dish. John is on KTSA on a Friday night. Happy Friday, John. Hey, I wonder if Liberace ever played Lawrence Welk. (laughs) (laughs) That's too much. That would be too, uh, I don't know, too something, too kitschy or be like overkill, right? Yeah. Didn't he have, he had his own television show for a while, I think, didn't he? Uh, and I'm Liberace? pretty sure I had to watch it once in a while. Probably so, yeah. So um, the Outdorf in Fredericksburg, it's right on mm. 290. I don't know the exact address, but it's right. The the big Catholic church is right behind it. Mm-hmm. You cannot miss that thing. It's enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really, well, it does have a lot of traditional German food, but it's I wouldn't call it a German restaurant. Um, it's a beer garden. They've got a beautiful outdoor area. They have a, a, a um, oh gosh, a Reuben sandwich made with corned beef, and then they have something called a Red Baron made with pastrami, and mm-hmm. they're a little bit different, and the Red Baron is amazing. Mm-hmm. And they have hot German potato salad or cold mm-hmm. potato salad. And uh, if you ever get a chance, if you're ever in Fredericksburg, you, I strongly suggest you go by there. Yeah, I, I love that place. I've actually been there a few times, and I've had the Red Baron. Oh, uh, and I'll tell you what else is good there, and you wouldn't think it would be for the German name and everything, but just the, just their hamburgers are really good. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the new well? Uh, it's actually a, uh, probably a 150-year-old well, but they've put this thick plexiglass over the old well, which is about right. 30 feet deep. And yeah, yeah, you've seen that. You can look down at it. Yeah, when you're wait, kind of in the area where you're waiting to be seated, you can look down that, that glass door, right? Yeah, I was my I was afraid to get on. Our waiter was jumping up and down on. And I'm like, dude, don't yeah. do that. No, I wouldn't do. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't do that either. I'll look, but I'm not going to stand on it. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. That's a really, yeah. you know, I, that's a place to me when I go to Fredericksburg. If I don't get to the Altdorf while I'm there, I feel like I I didn't really do the whole thing. You know, I didn't get the whole experience. I I always want to make exactly. that part of the day or part of the weekend. It's so good. So uh, just real quick, and I'll get off so somebody can get back on, uh, the courtship of Eddie's father, that was <laughs> horrid. That was dreadful. <laughs> and um, uh, Jennifer, Lonnie Anderson was not as hot as Bailey, but I had a poster of Lonnie Anderson in a bikini on the inside yeah. of my door, so when my mom yeah. walked in, she could open the door wouldn't see it. Yeah. Well, I don't think they had posters of Bailey, right? I mean, you couldn't get a you, you had to have you had to have Bailey in your imagination. You could have Lonnie Anderson on your wall, but you had to have yeah. Bailey in your imagination, right? I still do. And I still do too. Well, that's the only place we'll ever have her too. All right. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Praise for Altdorf, A L T D O R F. I apologize if I'm not saying it right, but I love that place. 301 West Main in Fredericksburg. And um, 
It's been a few years since we had a call in the dish about Altdorf, so I'm glad that uh, glad we got that one. Yeah, no, uh, I, I've 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 had different things. I don't remember all of them, but everything I've had, I've always liked, and uh, I've had sandwiches, burgers. Um, I think I had a chili of some kind one time, like a maybe a, a hatch chili or something that was good. I mean, a lot of different things, but very good, very eclectic, nice outdoor seating, like he said. All the things he said were true. 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants on the dish. We have poll results coming up. I noticed um, this was an interesting statistic. We've been talking a lot about uh, what's happening in cities, what, what, what the future of cities is going to be, given how many people now work from home or have the flexibility to do their job from anywhere. And it says here, this is uh, data that came out earlier this month from a uh, business advocacy group called Partnership for New York. Listen to this. This is a stunning statistic. Only 8% of office workers in Manhattan have returned to their offices full-time. Have you ever been to Manhattan? That's all it is. <laughs> Midtown Manhattan is just... People working, right? Block after block, street after street, tower after tower. Only 8% of Manhattan office workers are back in the workplace full-time. And um, that's 8% of probably, I don't know how many million, probably a couple of million people. So, yeah, cities are going to be different, and they're not going to be the thing. And if they don't solve their problems or what people perceive to be the problems, I think it's both, um, they're not going to have that sort of, well, you still have to come here. It doesn't matter if you're afraid of it or you don't like it. or it's we. You, if you want this, if you want that, you've got to come to this big city. You've got to live here. You've got to work here. It's not going to be like that anymore. And I wonder what will happen. I wonder what they'll do. It's going to be interesting to watch. I would like to find out who the leaker is so I could make sweet love to that person. If the leaker is a Republican, uh, and if I get pregnant during our lovemaking, I will joyfully abort our fetus and let them know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She is a delight. So many things I could say, but we're having a good time. Let's not ruin it. All right, on the JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing, our question, I mean, obviously, we were going to ask this today. Are you superstitious about Friday the 13th? And I I have to say, overwhelmingly, people said no. 85% said no. 15% said yes. Um, I'm, not, I'm not too surprised by those numbers. I, I, I think there might be a few people that are a little weirded out by the Friday the 13th thing, but you don't want to admit it. I mean, saying you are, saying you believe there could be something to it, you know, when you hear yourself say that out loud, you're like, I can't be saying that. I can't. <laughs> so it's, it's cool. We're, we're almost through it. I hope it's been a good day for you. And, you know, if anything happens, just try to think it through. It probably isn't because today's Friday the 13th. But um, I was looking at... Um, the you know we get this little this day in history thing. Th- this is the anniversary of the 
shooting of Pope John Paul II. Do you remember that? I, boy, I remember that like it was yesterday. May thirteenth, 1981, and he survived that shooting. It was an incredible uh, event. And that was a, an incredible year, because remember, in March of 81, President Reagan was, was shot. In May of 81, the Pope was shot. And then I want to say, like, in the summer... Uh, the president of Egypt, Anwar Sadat, was assassinated. It was I, I remember being in high school, and we were, my friends and I were, uh, you know, we were really into like world affairs and current events. We we're very nerdy, and it as, as a as a young person, being like fifteen years old, you just thought the world has gone crazy. Kind of the way we feel about every year nowadays. <laughs> but that was nineteen eighty one. You know, this is also the anniversary. Um, I don't know if this is a happy thing or not. I guess it's not a sad thing. Uh, today is the day in 1958 that Velcro was trademarked. Velcro. I forget one time I read the explanation of, I think it came from France, and Velcro is a composite term of the two things that go together to make the, you know, the seal, right? The fuzzy stuff and the spiky stuff. But... I remember when, do you remember at a certain point, I forget when when this was, Velcro went from being cool to being uncool, like, un, you know, in the blink of an eye. Like if you had a Velcro wallet, remember Velcro wallets? I had one. I think it was like um, camouflage. <laughs> oh, they were like canvas wallets and they had like a Velcro flap. That went from being like MacGyver cool to being the most nerdy pocket protector, sure to get you beat up after school thing. And then they had Velcro sneakers. Do you remember those? Instead of laces, there were just two Velcro straps. They still make them. And at one point, if you had that, you were you were a cool kid. And then like all of a sudden, from like a Tuesday to a Wednesday or something, that was literally the dumbest thing you could have on. Velcro sneakers. It, 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 it just tr- and p- our parents couldn't figure it out, right? They'd buy us a perfectly good wallet, a perfectly good pair of uh, of sneakers, and we'd be like, "I can't wear these anymore." Why not? <laughs> it was you wanted it last week, yeah, but not now. Funny how those things happen. And I guess Velcro still has its place. I mean, there's people that that uh, if you have arthritis or Parkinson's, they're very people like to use Velcro because it's easier to handle and. Um, again, it was at one point, it was kind of like a rough and tough kind of, you know, no, very practical, you know, no nonsense kind of material. And then all of a sudden it was like, you're wearing Velcro. So this day in 1958, this is also the, uh, anniversary. Here's something that would never happen now. This is the anniversary of the famous, Battle of the Sexes tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Bobby Riggs, I think everybody's forgotten about now, but he was one of the big male tennis stars. And Billie Jean King was the probably most famous woman athlete in the world right at that time, early 70s. And they played a tennis match. Don, do you remember, I think, didn't, didn't she beat him? Do you remember that? Yes, she did. I think she I think she beat him, yeah. Men don't talk about that anymore, we. <laughs> but see, I don't know for some reason when I when I saw that today in the little almanac uh listing, 
I thought to myself, now there's something we wouldn't do today. We're we're too we take things like this too seriously and we would we would never do that now. Now if a man and a woman are playing tennis against each other, it's because one of them identifies as the other one. We have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for calling our show, listening to it, or just tolerating it. Catch you back here Monday live at 4 or anytime on demand, ktsa.com.